0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? Doing great. And yourself? I am wonderful. It's a very exciting show that we have uh, lined up for everyone because we're talking all about girl groups. Girl groups. Girl groups. Some of our favorites. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that in just a second because the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things girl group
1: Hmm. and
0: pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about how Calvin Harris scores his highest charting album ever – on the Billboard 200, how Imagine Dragons jump into the top 10 on the pop songs chart with Believer, and how Jay-Z is heading for number one on the Billboard 200 with his new album, 444, or
1: do we call it 444? We call it 444. 444. And speaking of 444, (laughs) Jay-Z actually announced his 444 tour, as did Niall Horan. Not a 444 tour, but a tour. Niall's opening for (laughs) Jay-Z. Right. (laughs) I'd go see that. That would be an interesting couple. <laughs> well, Selena Gomez has been teasing fans with clues about her upcoming single, Fetish. Uh,
0: well, as we said earlier, it's also Girl Group Week. And uh, we're celebrating girl groups all week long on Billboard.com. And uh, on the show today, we've got a bevy of fun chart stats, surprising facts, and bits of information that maybe you didn't know about some of your favorite girl groups and some of the biggest girl groups of all time on the charts.
1: But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or at KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Okie dokie, let's run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart
0: chat. Let's. Let's. Uh, Number one, Calvin Harris scores his highest charting album yet on the Billboard 200 with his new Funk Wave Bounces Volume 1 album. Looking forward to Volume 2. Number two, Imagine (laughs) Dragons' smash hit Believer, which was already a number one hit on the Alternative Songs chart, keeps on getting bigger and is now a top 10 hit on the Pop Songs Airplay chart. And number three, Jay-Z is on course for his 14th, just, you know, 14th, number one album on the Billboard 200 with his new effort, 444. So let's break down each of these individually. First up, Calvin Harris claims his highest charting album yet on the Billboard 200 as Funkwave Bounces volume one debuts at number two. Uh, the set earned 68,000 equivalent album units in the week ending July 6th, according to Nielsen Music. The new album surpasses Harris's previous peak on the list when his last album, Motion, debuted and peaked at number five. Now, the new album, which is a R&B slash hip-hop meets pop-dance Affair. It's real hip-hop. It it, it it is very hip-hop-y. We actually had sort of a long discussion about the album within our charts team.
1: About how to categorize how it. How to categorize it. Sure. Cause it's,
0: it's tricky. There's a whole slew of rappers on it, mm-hmm. but not every song is like 100% rap. Right. It's like kind of like half rap, and then there's an R&B singer that comes in, and then Katy Perry shows up. Sure. So we definitely thought it was an R&B hip-hop album. Yeah. I think that's fair. So it's on the R&B Hip Hop Albums chart, where it debuts at number two, and it also debuts at number one on the Top Dance Electronic Albums chart. Funny, I actually think even though Calvin Harris is a superstar EDM DJ and producer, it's kind of weird like to think of it as a dance electronic album even though it has a lot of dan- dance on it yeah i don't think of it as a traditional dance album
1: it's more like a dj khaled album kind of kind of yeah. <laughs> which which speaking of speaking of
0: <laughs> um well we'll get to that in a second um well the album has a bunch of you know guest stars on it snoop dogg Katy perry Nicki minaj frank ocean the list goes on uh speaking of dj khaled Harris is actually featured on the number one album on the Billboard 200 this week, DJ Khaled's Grateful. Uh, Harris and Khaled teamed up for the collaboration Don't Quit, which features Travis Scott and Jeremiah. It is Jeremiah, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is featured on Grateful. And uh, Grateful holds at number one for a second week. Earning 70,000 units, down 53% from its debut of
1: 149000 And this At- is Asad Khaled's first number one album.
0: Um, Asad, which is DJ Khaled's <laughs> son. Infant son. Um, he... <laughs> he executive produced. Sure he did. Um... <laughs> yeah that is actually that is that is actually a production credit that I think you you're allowed to question yeah that's fair that is that is a vanity uh, uh production credit I think you're probably allowed to but you know I think you know you, you I, I think it, it might be okay to call him maybe a creative consultant sure because or or like uh
1: like, special thanks, too, because he certainly inspired the album. According to Khaled, he would give his feedback in the studio about which songs he liked and which how, he didn't. How
0: old was his son when they were recording this? Months
1: old. Months. <laughs>
0: Maybe if, like, he was, like, bopping his head a certain exactly. way. Exactly. Or if he burst into tears and was like, this is terrible. <laughs> And that's why you know, and, and if you did and if and if if this certain, if if he has certain hip hop friends that didn't make the cut onto this album, you know why? Oh, it's because it's kid didn't a, like Yeah, it. it's, it's not Khaled's fault; it's Assad's Sods'
1: fault. You can blame him. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Next up, Imagine Dragons are back in the top ten of the pop songs airplay chart for the first time since early 2014, as their hit single "Believer" from their third album "Evolve" bounds from number twelve to number eight this week. The band was last in the top 10 with Demons, which was from their first album, and uh, Demons hit number one back in 2013, December, actually, of 2013, and then lingered in the top 10 until February of 2014. Notably, none of the singles from the group's second album, Smoke and Mirrors, reached the top 10 on the pop songs chart, and the highest charting hit from that album was I Bet My Life, which hit number 28. So, after... Kind of, in a way, a stumble with the Smoke and Mirrors album, uh, which didn't really have any big hits. Which I
1: think Imagine Dragons themselves would admit. I mean. They've talked about it openly in interviews about wanting to do kind of an about face with this album.
0: Seems to be working. Indeed. Uh, Believer was number one uh, for 13 weeks on the alternative chart. um, And the new single, Thunder, is off to a great start as well. Meanwhile, over on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, which blends airplay from all formats of radio and uh, as well as sales and streams, Believer slips from number six, its peak, to number seven. I wouldn't be surprised if it maybe goes back up the chart as Top 40 Radio continues to embrace the song. Uh, Finally, Jay-Z is likely to find himself in a familiar spot on next week's Billboard 200 albums chart, as industry forecasters suggest his new album, 444, is on course to debut atop the tally. Sources say it could launch at number one with over 200,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending July 13th. Now if 444 debuts at number one, uh, it will land Jay-Z his 14th, 14th number one on the tally, further extending his record as the solo artist with the most number one albums. Uh, the only act overall with more number ones is the Beatles with nineteen. Four forty four was released widely to most streaming services and retailers on July seventh, and a week earlier, on, ju- on June thirty. On
1: June thirty, no more drinks before this,
0: Keith. <laughs> Cocktails, ahoy! <laughs> it's the it's the cocktail pop shop. Um, a week before, on June thirtieth, the album bowed exclusively through Title. However. Title did not report data for the album to Nielsen Music, which, of course, powers most of our charts. And uh, so, therefore, we have to wait until the album's first week of wide availability for it to actually chart on our charts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're allowed to do that. And here it is going to number one. It'll probably. be number one. Yep. Maybe they knew. <laughs> or maybe they just wanted to let Khaled have a second week at number one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, Katie, can you name, since Jay-Z seems to have a whole heck of a lot of number ones, can you name the last Jay-Z studio album that didn't go to number one? Now, I'm saying studio album because he's had a lot of like live things and compilations sure. and weird things, and... Amongst this, I am also counting his collaborative albums, like the ones Watch with the Throne, Watch the Throne and R. Kelly. Sure. Because those are kind of like studio albums in a way. Yeah. So can you name the last studio project that didn't go to number one?
1: I mean, I'm just going to go all the way back to the beginning and assume that maybe because that was his introduction, maybe Reasonable Doubt didn't go to number one.
0: You're not terribly far off. Okay. Um, his last uh, sort of traditional studio album that didn't go to number one Was an R. Kelly collaboration. Ah. His first R. Kelly joint effort, which was called The Best of Both Worlds, Mm -hmm. debuted and peaked at number two back in 2002. Uh, They would save a little bit of face, I suppose, in the hip-hop, rap, and Mm R&B world because they had a second collaborative album called Unfinished Business, which hit number one in 2004. Uh, In terms of just Jay-Z's solo studio albums... Mm -hmm. The last one not to hit number 1 was in my lifetime. Volume, volume one, 1, 1997, it peaked at number 3.
1: Still waiting for volume 2. Yeah. <laughs> well, well. Was there a volume 2?
0: Yes. There was? Well, he had In My Lifetime, Volume 1. Then he had Volume 2, Hard Knock Life.
1: Oh, I see. Well, okay. Got then it. Then he
0: had Volume 3, Life and Times of oh, S. Carter. Geez, that's just tricky. What do we know? Speaking of volumes, <laughs> I, I always think it's cute when, when artists name their greatest hits
1: Volume 1. Yeah. And you're like, is there going to be a volume 2? Well... It's very it's very confident of them um is there supposed to be a calvin harris i don't know two? i i maybe he was just being
0: cheeky i don't know because there's a uh, we've got a chris stapleton he had from uh a room from a room volume one right <laughs> from and not A-room, but A-room. a room but <laughs> a room a a room the studio and then now we have calvin harris with funk maybe maybe the second funk wave bounces will be like a more traditional dance thing
1: I hope there's another one because I love this album.
0: I, I had a, sorry, I kind of devolved there back it's, to a television. It's all good. That's what we do. Anyway, <laughs> Katie, uh, I, th- I think you have something to tell me about Jay-Z.
1: Well, yes, uh, I think we should hit three of the top headlines over on Billboard.com. And of course, Jay-Z is a big talking point over there as well. <laughs> you think? Yes. Star- <laughs> w- starting out with Jay-Z here, the rapper just announced dates for his upcoming 444 tour, which kicks off October 27th in Anaheim. And wraps up back in SoCal again at the Forum in LA on December twenty-first. Question: Yes,
0: are these arena shows or are they like stadium shows?
1: Uh, If if you know, uh, I don't. I only know of the arenas, so I. But I don't know if there are some stadiums. When when he starts in Anaheim, do you know where Mm -hmm. he's starting at?
0: No. Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I shouldn't have asked these questions. I should have only asked about what was on the script. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it would be I, I, very easy the, for me to pull the, it up. Well, right the reason now. why I ask while you look this up is because he, of course, had his big—you know—Jay Z and Beyonce had a huge tour. You know, Justin Timberlake and Jay Z had a really big tour. So I would, and you know, Jay Z and Eminem did a couple joint stadium yeah, shows. Yeah, we're
1: talking all arenas here. Arena shows. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. This, um, his first date is at the Honda Center. Okay. Um, which is where the ducks play. Like Twenty thousand seat venues. Yeah, yeah, big. yeah. And he's playing Barclays in uh, New York. Obviously makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and uh, he'll hit 31 cities in total on the tour, uh, in not support 44. of of his latest studio album. Tickets are available now for pre-sale if you're a title member or a city card holder. How convenient. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they go on sale for everyone else on Friday. And that's not the only tour that was announced this week. Uh, Niall Horan has announced his first solo headlining tour kicking off in his home country of Ireland on August 29th. The One Direction singer-songwriter will start off at Dublin's Olympia Theatre before wrapping up November 22nd back in the States at the Masonic in San Francisco. He's lined up 21 dates across the world. He is hitting Australia, Japan, Mexico, Brazil, and more countries on the trek. Okay, wait. So there are
0: 21 21 dates, and he's hitting that many countries. You know what this is? It's an elaborate promo tour. That's fair. I mean, this isn't... I mean, I guess this is a (laughs) tour, but if you're playing 21 dates in, like, 10
1: countries... The bulk of them are in North America. Okay. Um, So he has, like, one date... Like you're one, going in to L- one in London, one in Dublin, one in uh, Sweden, uh, one in, yeah, one in Australia, one in Japan, one in Brazil. I, one mean, I in- guess it's a smart way of doing it. Yeah. Like, you
0: know, like you're going to Australia to do promo, anyways, and TV. The Brazilians
1: are always begging for people to go down there. Come He's going. <laughs> he, he, he He's like, okay. Their call. Of course. <laughs> and finally, Selena Gomez has released some more clues about her next song, Fetish, this week, including a Friday release date for the song and its accompanying music video and a feature from Gucci Mane, which is actually a sort of spring breakers reunion. Since the Atlanta rapper appeared in the 2012 film that starred the singer slash actress. Well, then it's a completely, like, organic Logical thing. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, this was, like, pre-prison Gucci, and now he's, like, out and has lost about 100 pounds. It's a very different Gucci Mane than Spring Breakers Gucci. <laughs> well, you know. But I still, that's the first thing I thought when I saw that she, he was on the song. I was very excited. Um, we've only gotten tiny sneak peeks of the video so far, uh, including one at the end of the Bad Liar video that came out. A few weeks ago um, No taste of the audio yet Though Selena did tweet One possible lyric On Monday uh, She tweeted along With a tiny video clip You got a fetish For my love So we're assuming That's probably A little piece of the song hmm. Um, Fetish follows the release of Gomez's latest single, Bad Liar, which has so far peaked at number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100.
0: I wonder if the video will be a direct continuation of the Bad Liar video, which was so great.
1: It looks different. They definitely both obviously have that vintage different. feel. Yeah. But the, uh, to me, the Bad Liar one had like a 70s feel, and this one has more of an 80s feel. Oh, maybe. And I don't know if maybe they're just moving up the decades or... Hmm. But it's definitely got that, you know, the, the vintage tone of the original. I just don't think it's a, a part of that story. There's
0: lots of conspiracy theories I've been seeing online where people are trying to trying to figure out what the images mean that she's mm. tweeted. And there's one. They're where very has, cryptic. has a license plate number. Mm. And they think, and the license plate has uh, three letters and three numbers. And the letters are uh, like J something H, uh, I think. And they're... It's the it's the it's the initials for her co-star on Wizards of Waverly Place.
1: Okay, Internet.
0: Um, (laughs) They're thinking, what does that mean? What does the number mean? I'm like, "It, it might mean nothing.
1: Well, this is after the Bad Liar video. Everyone found all these like Easter eggs with hidden Taylor Swift clues. Right. So either this is truly what the director and Selena are doing or. People are reading too far into it, which is a real possibility as well. But I mean, at the end <laughs> of this, it's fun. It's fun because
0: I mean, <laughs> "Bad Liar" was a was a was a fun song and a good song, and the video was really interesting, compelling, and this is. And she's she's not done a single interview mm. for any of this, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like has she done any real promo, or had like maybe she's done some light promo? Yeah, like, like very I, light
1: radio interview. Maybe I'm 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 thinking I, I'm, there's there, definitely I, a radio I actually did interview hear on
0: Kiss FM here in LA. So I take that back,
1: but. She's kind of
0: letting, like, the music and the art speak for itself, and people are really interested in that.
1: I'm really hoping Bad Liar uh, has a resurgence because I love that song. Like, I want it to just climb back up the charts. Well,
0: maybe it will. Maybe it will.
1: And maybe Fetish is going to be even better. You never know. Who knows?
0: (laughs) Well, now it's time to celebrate all things girl groups. Because it's Girl Group Week on Billboard.com. We thought it'd be fun to reflect on a few perhaps surprising facts and stats about some of the biggest girl groups on
1: Billboard's charts and beyond. For example, did you know Hmm. that the Pointer Sisters debuted on the Hot 100 in 1973 with Yes, We Can Can, but Hmm. didn't get to the top (laughs) 10 until 1979 with Fire, a song written by Bruce Springsteen. That's right.
0: Uh, Fire, which hit number two on the Hot 100, was written for Springsteen's Darkness on the Edge of Town album, but didn't make the cut. The Pointer Sisters covered the track for their album, Energy, and was their first as a trio after the departure of their sister, Bonnie Pointer.
1: And they would collect six more top ten hits, including He's So Shy, (laughs) Slow Hand, and jump for my love oh, these are classics song. they never got a number 1 though that's crazy that's stupid yeah especially with how like now like everybody knows those songs whether it's from movies or whatever like those mm. songs are classics you
0: know i love i love our charts mm. but at the same time i can hate them when they deny someone a number <laughs> 1 you know en vogue never had a number 1 hit on all oh the that 100. makes me sad i love en vogue they had like like three or four number two hits
1: i definitely had funky divas so that's not my fault (laughs) um well
0: uh here's another one 20 years ago this week in fact spice girls were in the top 10 of the hot 100 with their second hit single say you'll be there the track reached number three in may of 1997 and would hang
1: out in the top 10 until mid-july of that year say you'll be there was the quintet's follow-up to the number one smash wannabe And both were featured on the group's debut album, Spice. Spice. Uh, Notably, every song on Spice was actually co-written
0: by the Spice Girls themselves. That's
1: incredible to me.
0: Yeah. Which which I I gave Katie a preview of this earlier and she was flabbergasted. Yeah.
1: Which it's awesome. It's unusual. Yes. uh,
0: Because it's, it's not common for girl groups to do much of the sort of writing or production in songs. Especially,
1: like, first album. I mean, I think maybe, you know, you fight for it later on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
0: don't know how much the Spice Girls wrote of the album, but they certainly got a co-writing credit on every single one of the songs. And... Good for them for doing so. Indeed.
1: And speaking of songwriting, one of the most successful songwriting teams behind some of the biggest girl group hits of all time was actually a trio of men. Oh, it figures. Oh, men. Men. (laughs) Brian Holland, Lamont Dozier, and Eddie Holland, otherwise known as Holland Dozier Holland. They wrote nearly all of the Supremes' number one hits on the Hot
0: 100, I think like 10 out of the 12, uh, including their first chart topper, Where Did
1: Our Love Go?, would you believe Keith? I don't know. Would I? <laughs> that "Where Did Our Love Go" was actually intended for another girl group, the Marvelettes, hmm. according to our colleague Fred Bronson. His Billboard books of number one hits. The song's co-writer Lamont Dozier had planned for the track to go to the Marvelettes who at that point had a string of top 40 hits, and a number one with Please Mr. Postman. Hmm. The group turned down the song, and it ended up with The Supremes.
0: I was actually reading, uh, as we were preparing for this, I was reading Fred's uh, book about this, and I think, I'm not sure who who he quoted, it might have been Lamont, and basically saying, like, at the time, The Supremes were like, they said like low man on the totem pole like the at the baby Motown. girl group and they were just like they had no place to like turn down anything yeah so it was like you're gonna record this i guess
1: we'll take this one i guess we'll take where did our love <laughs> go mm.
0: and they hadn't had much success in the chart so who you know there was no reason for anyone to think that this would suddenly change the fortunes of anything yeah. and it did and yet yeah and yet well here's another example of an artist passing on a song and then seeing it later becoming a big hit did you know that TLC passed on Baby One More Time, wow. which would eventually be become Britney Spears' debut hit, sailing all the way to number one?
1: Maybe it's because they had already done Baby, 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 that it was just too much Too babies. many babies. Too much babies going on. <laughs> well, we're talking about TLC. Congratulations to the ladies as their new self-titled crowdfunded album debuts in the top 40 of the Billboard 200 this week. A little more than 25 years after their debut album, Ooh on the TLC tip was released
0: <laughs> uh their first album featured four top 40 charting hits on the Hot 100 including the number 2 peaking baby baby <laughs> baby
1: It makes you can almost hear T-Boz singing baby one more time because of baby 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 it's like Baby, baby, hit me, baby, <laughs> B- hit me, baby, baby, yeah, you can baby. Totally one it. more time.
0: <laughs> Somebody could actually sample that and make it. Um I actually, I, I, I own Ooh on the TLC Tip. I bought it on CD back in the day. I loved all those singles.
1: You they wore so condoms good. in your glasses. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had so many like
0: fluorescent colored like like baggy overalls. It was amazing. Um, well, anyway, I remember being as a chart fan back then, back in 1992. Watching the chart each week as Baby 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 was peaking at number two and hoping the song would get to number one. As it turned out, it was stuck at number two for six weeks. It was trapped behind Boys to Men's end of the road for the entire time. Another classic example of a boy band keeping a girl group down. Well, <laughs> TLC would actually get their revenge on Boys to Men because TLC's first number one, Creep, actually bumped Boys to Men's on bended knee. From the top in 1995.
1: They shared the wealth. Yeah, it all worked out (laughs) fine for all of them. Okay, last one. Expose's first hit, Point of No Return, was a hit on the Dance Club Songs chart in 1985, going all the way to number one. But did you know that the three women in Expose at the time who sang the number one hit we're all dismissed from the act.
0: <laughs> because, you know, girl groups are totally interchangeable. They
1: didn't even, like, keep the Beyonce. <laughs> yeah,
0: they, no. Um, indeed, the, the trio originally featured Lori Miller, Sandy Casanas. I, I apologize, Sandy, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, and Ali Lorenzo. But when the group was working on its debut album in 1986 for Arista Records, the creator of the act, kind of the sort of Svengali of the group, producer Louis Martinet, replace the three singers with Anne Curlis, Jeanette Gerardo, and Joya Bruno.
1: Those latter three ladies re-recorded, re-recorded Point of No Return along with a full album called Exposure. Point of No Return was re-released with the new vocalist in 1987 and reached number five on the Billboard Hot 100. It was one of eight top ten hits for the group, which included the number one hit Seasons Change. I really like Expose. That is an amazing fact, though do the other three ladies like perform at all still or don't know like i'm curious i think what what it what it was what it what it what it (laughs) or did Um, they write a memoir called exposing expose (laughs) or something i
0: think what it was uh and this was sort of typical um we actually saw this a lot like if you look in the 70s i because i was doing research on this for something else um, the group Silver Convention would have that hit song "Fly Robin Fly." Mm. Do you know that song? I don't "Fly Robin Fly" up up to the sky. Nope. <laughs> they later had a hit with "Get Up and Boogie." Still. Anyways, it was a it was a it was a um, studio group from Germany that was put together by like two male German producers, and they hired female session musicians to sing this song called "Fly Robin Fly." Once they had some hit, like a hit single. They then hired sort of proper women in the group, dismissed the session singers, because they were just session singers, and moved on. So the expose thing, I think, was the producer, Lewis, hiring women in Miami to sing the song. It became like a one-off fluke. And then when Arista Records was interested and they suddenly had to do a full album— Perhaps they realized that maybe these three women weren't the right fit for going on into the future, right? Look at what CNC Music Factory yep. did. They, it was two producers that hired a bunch of vocalists and then it turned into something much bigger than they anticipated. Exactly. Um, or CNC Music Factory did the same thing when uh, David Cole and Robert Cavillas who are the C's in CNC Music Factory had um, that uh, they, they had that hit with um, seduction, okay? Um, and seduction, but it was called, um, Oh, what, I forget what it was, but Martha Wash sang all the vocals on it. I think it was like two to make it right or something like that.
1: Oh, okay. But it
0: was all Martha Wash.
1: Yeah. Um, Martha Wash was the anonymous
0: voice behind a lot of things. One and only True Love, that's what it was called. Okay. But it was Martha Wash, like basically saying the whole thing. And
1: now it's like looking back, it's like, how can you not just hear Martha Wash in all of that? It's like to, that voice is undeniable oh man all those black box songs now we're not
0: now that that's not a girl group but you know by the way martha wash was in a girl group two tons of
1: fun yes she was it's raining men hallelujah
0: (laughs) well make sure to check out all of billboard.com's girl group coverage and uh, let us know what your favorite girl group of all time is
1: Uh, already live on the site is the 100 best girl group songs according to billboard editors according to the critics The critics have spoken. So do we have any parting
0: words? Anything you'd like to go out on? Um, I mean,
1: it feels like we have to go out on a girl group song. Yes. For sure. What song should that be? Let's see. Who haven't we talked about? We mentioned briefly that En Vogue did not have a number one. Maybe we should go out on an En Vogue song. But which one? Oh, my God. Hold on.
0: Free your mind. Giving him something he can feel. Don't let go love.
1: Never going to get it.
0: well, you'll get it
1: right now. <laughs> right now. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Never.